Southeast Radio's morning mix. Southeast Radio. Well, I'm not surprised. However, I think it's, at the same time, it's quite shocking the level of gambling problems and gambling addiction across the country. And I think we've often heard from some of the industry about this 3%. It's clearly way above 3%. I've had that suspicion from my own work as a, as a minister, as a TD, and also as a barrister, and just knowing people as well who have developed this type of addiction. It's a very insidious addiction. It's a very hidden addiction, and a lot of stigma around it as well, more so than many other addictions. So there are people afraid to own up to it, to admit to it, and get the help that they need. So I'm not really surprised at the level of it. The legislation that I'm bringing forward that's working its way through the houses as a matter of priority is very, very strong legislation, some of the strongest in Europe. Uh, but at the moment, the laws are simply not fit for purpose, and that's something I very much recognise. And gambling addiction and problem gambling is it's destroying families right across this country, and it is getting worse, and that's why we're determined to tackle it from a health, public health perspective. I know you and I have spoken at length about this, and I know you've set it out as one of your priorities, Minister, but how slowly is it moving? Is it so hard to get this across the line? And you, when you say it's going to drastically change things and improve things, in what way will it do this? Well, it certainly has been challenging. Ministers in the past have tried to reform gambling legislation and have struggled to get their legislation across the line. Uh, we're probably 95% is the way there now, and we will get there. I'm absolutely determined on the full backing from Michal Martin and Minister McEntee on this as well. It's, it's the legislation, the problem and the challenge is, is that the industry is completely unregulated. What laws we have date back to the 1930s and the 1950s, if you like pre-colour television, never mind about digital. And a few years ago, if you recall, probably about 10, 12 years ago, there was concern about a casino being set up in Tipperary because that might, uh, that might increase gambling. Now every 12-year-old is going around with a casino in their back pocket on their phone. It's extremely dangerous. Mm. This legislation is comprehensive. It deals with the regulation of the industry, consumer protection, but most importantly, from a public health perspective, it, it addresses in terms of criminalising anybody who allows children to gamble, for example, significantly restricting advertising, and also levying the industry to provide funds for treatment, for health care, for education and for awareness so that people can get help and support and be aware that every time you gamble, there is a risk. Now, you, many people safely gamble, but there's a spectrum there. And every time you gamble, you take a risk that you can develop this addiction and this problem. Right. The most common forms of gambling, according to the report, are lotteries and scratch cards, followed by betting on horses, greyhounds and other sports. And of course, we, you and I have spoken at length about this, about the heavy emphasis on TV advertising, particularly around sporting events. As part of your legislation, is this going to be tackled? And we, we've heard about this watershed. Uh, can that be implemented? Could that be implemented quicker? Yeah, so the gamification of sport is something that has really taken off in the last 10, 12 years. And a huge amount of it is around the advertising. And what the gambling companies are trying to do there is really two things. One, change people's behaviour to gamble more, but also to make what they're doing look an awful lot more benign by being associated with something that's so positive, like the issue of sport. And Alan, you know only too well uh, the, how important and how healthy sport is, but the gambling side of it is becoming a major problem, and especially more younger people, I think, are being attracted to gambling as a result mm. of the gamification of sport. So the advertising ban is part of this legislation. It was recommended by the All-Party Justice Committee. It was adopted by myself, passed by Cabinet, and supported in the Dáil, I have to say, with no dissent last February, uh, sorry, last December as well. So we expect that advertising uh, ban will help people to reduce their exposure to advertising. 
and all going well. When do you hope to have this uh, legislation implemented, Minister? Well, we've passed it at second stage and also a committee where we had to make significant amendments. So I'm hopeful a report and final stage will be passed by this Christmas in the Dáil. Then it moves to the Shannon, where I think the Shannon would deal with it very quickly. So I'm certainly hopeful that early in the new year we will have it uh, fully passed into law. We've already established the CEO designate for the Gambling Regulatory Authority. Normally, you wouldn't establish authority until after legislation passes, but I wanted the authority stood up so that it was ready to hit the ground running once the legislation passes, and we wouldn't be waiting an extended period after that, if you like, another year or two for uh, authority to be established. So there was an unusual move to establish authority first, but I felt it would have to drive reform and also, as I say, hit the ground running once this legislation passes. It's a massive piece of legislation, really huge piece of legislation, but it is comprehensive and one of the most strictest in Europe. There has been a little bit of questioning around whether horse racing and greyhound racing would still be able to show on TV, and the answer to that is absolutely 100%. Anything you can see on a horse race today, you will be able to see once this legislation passes. The advertising only affects the hard advertising between um, horse racing, if you like, the normal ads that people would see on television, but not the actual horse racing itself. Uh, elsewhere, in our, in our conversation with you this morning, uh, you, you have some updates on funding. First of all, Empowering Community Sports Active Wexford. Can you give me an update on that, please? Yes, it is an important announcement around funding around for Sports Active in Wexford and an additional €114,800 towards sports participation and youth leadership. This is the type of funding that's given out quite regularly and it's a huge part of this government. But in particular, again, myself, having grown up around sports, unfortunately, I was never any good at any of them. But I, I love playing sports. And, but I think it's so important for, for people's physical health, but also their mental health. So it is, and learning skills around leadership and getting girls active as well and people with disabilities into sports. So that's an additional funding there for Sports Active Wexford that will, I think will benefit the whole county. And we have the Sports Capital Grants. So obviously, people have applied right across the county as well, and we expect an announcement around mm-hmm. them in the coming months. But another massive announcement this morning, and your colleague, um, Councillor Michael Sheen, uh, teed up this to me last night by text. Uh, and now that I have you on air, you can share it with us. Um, another major announcement for Wexford, 590,000 additional core funding for two very important <coughs> centres. What are they, please? So this is an additional funding for Windmill and for Commerce. And I know Councillor Michael Sheen is on the board with Commerce and has worked very closely with them. And we recently had Minister... Uh, Anne Rabbit down to Cummins for her second time and they were able to, I think, get the message across how important the work they do around their core work and the the um, supports to do and outreach to schools as well. And Windmill, myself and Deputy Paul Keogh had Windmill up in Leinster House meeting with Anne Rabbit and explaining the pressures that Windmill were under. And what's happened here now is they've got additional what we call core funding. So there's been an awful lot of stress in both of those organisations trying to scramble to get additional funding to keep the organisations going year on year. That's totally unacceptable to me. Several members of my own family with disabilities, I know the pressure and the stress that people go through. So we want to get this in as core funding for both of those organisations. And that means 
the funding is there every year. It's not one-off funding anymore. So I think hopefully there's a lot of relief in both of those organisations today. Obviously, they'll be looking for further and additional funding. I'll certainly be fighting for that as well. Before we conclude, um, front page of the Irish Daily Mail today, Gardaí quit in record numbers. That's their banner headline. We've already heard from Independent Deputy Verona Murphy this morning as well. It needs a full and balanced discussion on all aspects of this. You as Minister of State for the Department of Justice, where are we <coughs> heading, heading with the controversy surrounding Angarda Shikona? Yeah, look, there's, there's huge, I suppose, controversy and challenge around the rosters and Look, rank and file Garda Siakona, I mean, the, the, they need to have a quality of life and that's absolutely critical. And I think that's where their big concern is. Do you have the old roster that the commissioner has said he's going to move back to. Look, I think even the commissioner accepts the old roster is not fit for purpose. But equally, the commissioners have viewed that the COVID roster that the Garda are still operating under is not fit for purpose either. A kind of compromise needs to be found whereby you know, the, the Gardaí have a quality of life and that's addressed, but also that, of course, that we have sufficient Gardaí available uh, to uh, protect the public. I know that's what the Gardaí want as well. So I think the solution here is for people to get around the table and find a compromise that works for everybody. And in the meantime, recruiting more and more additional Gardaí Shikona so we have the Gardaí available mm-hmm. on the streets when we need them. So people are safe and feel safe. So I think the solution here, like all of these solutions, it's about people sitting down and talking and finding okay. that compromise that, that is needed. And does it call for government uh, intervention and mediation? Well, see, strictly speaking, under Garda Shia Act, ministers are not allowed to interfere in operational matters. So the commissioner is the head of Garda Shia and this is a dispute between the GRA, the Garda representative uh, organisation and the commissioner to resolve that. I think when ministers start interfering with Garda operational matters, it can be a very slippery slope and it's something I I think I would be concerned of. I think what Minister McEntee has sought to do is to facilitate talks and to facilitate negotiations between the two, if you like, sides on this matter. But I, I... I do think I give an awful lot of sympathy for Angarda Siakona. This is a quality of life issue, but the Commissioner has challenges in terms of the rosters. And as I say, I just hope a compromise can be reached to the satisfaction of, of both sides. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. South-